is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features waiting for you there. Once again, freetalklive.com. And here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. All right, so 855-453 allows you to take control of the airwaves, as is always the case here. Of course, we'll also bring things in uh, to discuss with you. And there's something that I had last night that I mentioned we didn't get a chance to get to. But then an update from New York City with the soda ban situation. I don't know if y'all heard about that we, news. We watched uh, John Stewart's take on it last night. Uh, it's kind of comical. Very good. Well, uh, the mayor of the city doesn't find this funny at all, and he has some things he'd like to say to his critics. We'll uh, share those in a moment. But uh, according to GigaOM.com, there's a patent troll out there trying to destroy a website called Etsy. Now, have either of you ever been on I Etsy? I love Etsy. Tell me more about it. Etsy is a place where, I think it originally started as just a um, place where you can go online and find handmade items, but then they also have vintage items, mm-hmm. and they might make exceptions for other items, but they have uh, mostly a strict guideline for this is unique stuff you're going to not find other places, and right. you can get great deals on stuff that you know looks handmade, but this is really handmade by someone in the United States. And uh, people have successfully, you know, quit their day job by putting stuff on this website, this Etsy, uh, E-T-S-Y dot com. Uh, like, for instance, the, somebody will be working at a regular corporate job and they'll start selling stuff on Etsy that's really unique and stuff you can't get anywhere else and people like it. So all of a sudden, before you know or before they know it, uh, they are turning in their two weeks notice at their regular job and going full time selling product over the Internet. And I mean, how cool is that? I mean, the, the fact that the website can uh, can, I guess, be blamed or I guess not blamed, but uh, take credit for uh, helping all these people create their own businesses. That's pretty amazing. Isn't it uh, similar in some respects to eBay and that sort of... It's not a bidding system though, right? It's not a bidding system. And I personally, I don't know what it is about the site that uh, it caters to me better because on eBay, I feel like I get a bunch of stuff and a lot of it is pictures from the retailer and it's you know, new and used stuff. And it's just kind of a jumble. And it's, you know, eBay is a good place to get computer cords and computer stuff or, you know, lots of stuff you can find on eBay. But Etsy is where you go to find unique things, like things that you just like it because it's really stylish or it just appeals to you in some aesthetic way. That's more Etsy is catering to. Interesting. Now they're in trouble thanks to the patent system, the patent laws out there. The federal government uh, provides that people who are lawyer types know how to uh, navigate. They know how to navigate the uh, the labyrinth of regulations and patent laws and uh, bureaucracy. And as a result, you have companies that are called patent trolls that essentially exist to do nothing besides screw with the productive uh, class. So here's the story from GigaOM, GigaOM.com. Etsy is an online marketplace where users buy and sell handmade and vintage goods. Last week, the Brooklyn-based company with the folksy feel raised a $40 million investment. This week, Etsy is discovering one of the downsides of being a big league business after it's been hit with a patent lawsuit. In a case filed in Manhattan Federal Court, a shell company claims Etsy infringed on five of its patents and is asking for profits, triple damages, and a permanent injunction. The patents are for, quote, methods for storing, delivering, and managing messages, unquote. 
One of them, U.S. patent number 6857074, shows common technology in which an internet browser is used to route incoming messages. The owner of the patents, Unified Messaging Solutions, LLC, appears to be a subsidiary of Acacia, which has been described as the mother of all patent trolls. Now, trolls a derogatory term for shell firms that don't make anything but acquire patents in order to sue companies that do. Let me stop down there for a moment and talk a little bit more about this. There was a, a company, I don't remember what they were called. It wouldn't be worth mentioning them even if I did. But they were doing advertising on uh, the radio and television probably about half a decade ago. And essentially what they would do was they would, uh, they would advertise to inventors. Like, inventors, would you like to have your product turned into reality? Your idea could be real. Just contact Inventors Corporation or whatever. And they give a phone number out, and the, uh, the pitch was, we'll send you a free kit, and you can you know, learn about patenting your, your idea. And basically, the, it was an elaborate scam, but it was a totally legal scam because these companies are run by attorneys. They're run by people who absolutely know the ins and the outs of patent law and copyright and all this stuff. And, of course, you and I and certainly the average inventor who just wants to tinker and you know, make neat things, they definitely don't know uh, how to navigate these waters. So basically uh, this company would get, the, uh, would get the inventor to sign kind of a non-disclosure agreement or like an exclusivity agreement where uh, essentially they would – the patent company would claim that we won't release your idea. Here, we'll sign this non-disclosure agreement with you. And then uh, down the line, essentially what they, what they would do, they'd get the plans, they'd get the ideas, they'd get the information from the inventor. And they would offer the inventor all kinds of promotional packages that were just so expensive. Like, we'll take your idea to a trade show and market it to manufacturers for $8,000. And so they'd try to milk as much money out of the inventors as possible, like, you know, with the tantalizing carrot of, well, if we just take it to the right trade show, get in front of the right vendor, right. the right uh, manufacturer, they're going to snatch it up, and, you, you know, they're going to give you a contract, and uh, you, you know, we're just basically, you're going to be a multimillionaire because this is an awesome invention. And so after spending all kinds of money, in some cases they're life savings because, you know, the average person probably doesn't have eight or $9,000, so they probably beg, borrow, uh, to call grandma, you know, get the money they, that they can possibly scrounge up for this. Right, and risk is a totally healthy thing to adapt if you're an entrepreneur. It's good to take risks, but this is not the kind of risk you should be taking. Right, well, and, and it's, you know, it sounds good, right? It's slick packaging. It's, uh, it sounds like these people know what they're doing. But they'll come back from the uh, the trade show and like, well, you know, it didn't it didn't pan out. Uh, sorry, but we didn't get any we didn't get any bites on on your invention. And of course, I I would imagine it's pretty difficult to get a manufacturer to pitch them on on an idea like this. You know, some some radical new invention like kind of like trying to sell a book to publishing companies. You have to go through a hundred no's before you get to a yes. And so eventually, the inventor is going to run out of money to take uh, these things to trade shows. And the patent company will then, at that point, tell the inventor, "Hey, look, we know that uh, you know you owe us this money here because they'll they'll let him get into debt essentially to to go take products to trade shows." Yeah, JJ, it was a really great idea, and you owe us uh, looks like uh, ten grand here. Tell you what, you can just sign the idea over to us, and we'll just we'll just call it a day. Wow, that sounds like a terrible deal. You owe us money. I mean, you, how are you going to pay this eight thousand dollars? Well, I, I 
don't know, but tell you I, what, just sign this paperwork. Look, nobody wants this patent. Uh, nobody wants this uh, invention. We'll, we'll just let it. We'll just call it a day. Right. So do, do you and, think they actually try to sell the invention, or you, do you think they? Like, I don't half know. Sell it. Well, you know wait. Are, I, I, don't I thought that you were saying that. Okay, so then they have the rights. Basically, what you're saying if that's what will happen. If they the have the rights, signs it over, and then they'll of, have the rights. Instead of making something out of the idea, they just go after other people who have similar ideas. That's right. right. That's basically how it works. So now they have the basically uh, by getting people into debt with them, they get them to sign over the rights to an idea that they're never going to go anywhere with, but they only want those rights so that they can go after other people. You nailed it. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, using the state as the the workhorse as far as the injunction is concerned, getting an injunction saying that you can't do this anymore, and then the person... Then uh, does an injunction come with the, the threat of force and all that? So I would imagine so. Backing it up. So, so uh, here's the, the remainder of this piece here. So now that we know what patent trolls are, uh, this is Unified Messaging, Messaging Solutions LLC, which is Limited Liability Company, as we discussed last night on the program. That basically means they have no <laughs> liability for the, uh, the actions they, they take, or very little. The people behind this company, though, this Acacia Group, uh, so there's the parent company of Unified Messaging Solutions, which is, has been described as the mother of all patent trolls. Uh, the people behind it are the same fine Americans who have already sued Facebook, Groupon, Google, Southwest Airlines, and more than a dozen other companies. Because shell companies don't make or do anything besides file lawsuits, they are not vulnerable to patent countersuits, such as the one that Facebook filed against Yahoo. We'll talk more about what exactly they're doing to Etsy here, what they're trying to do in moments. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. Empower yourself by trading with value. Visit DontTreadOnMeme.com. Browse their unique silver dime trading cards and get all your favorite designs. Gift them, keep them, or trade them for something else. They're real value in a convenient package and a tool that you can use to spread the word about honest money and how it sets us free. While you're at it, check out their quality apparel. You'll want to be the first of your friends to get their clever graphics on you. Don't tread on meme. That's don't tread on meme.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you want. 855-453. The SACL CAI toll-free line. By the way, SACL CAI, that's how you can get it done when it comes to collections. Forget about doing that yourself. Hand it over to SACL CAI. They'll do it with respect, and they'll get your money so you can continue on business with your clients down the road. You can visit SACL's website through their banner right at the top of our banner column over at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. Our number here tonight, again, 855-450-FREE. We are talking about patent trolls. In this case, Unified Messaging Solutions, LLC. It's a subsidiary of a company called Acacia, which has been described as the mother of all patent trolls. There's another story over uh, from paidcontent.org where it looks like this same company has multiple shell corporations that it has created for itself that hold patents uh, another one of them is Network Presentation Solutions. They sued Amazon over its Kindle e-reader, uh, trying to basically say that uh, they're somehow violating some uh, whatever kind of patent they have. And it's essentially they're looking to destroy every single Kindle that has a particular screensaver. 
mean, it's just what? this petty, it's the most petty nonsense that you can possibly imagine. They're suing Etsy, which is an online uh, sales site where unique products, handmade products, are sold to willing buyers. And they're, su- uh, they're suing them over violating a patent for some sort of messaging system, claiming they have a patent on certain methods for storing, delivering, and managing messages. Really? You can patent how to store something on a computer? You're writing data to a file and that's a patenting right. thing? It's ridiculous. And this is, this is one of the reasons why I'm so against patents at this point in my philosophy or whatever, ideology, whatever you want to call it. Because it, not only that, but it limits so much of what people can do. As we can see here, right. this company, all they do is use this legal fiction land to harass and intimidate people into stopping their innovation, stopping their creative processes and their new products that they're going to come up with and just scaring them out of the marketplace. And that's how can that be helpful? How can you say that's going to help achieve the best products and the best solutions? You can't. That's not that's not how you get the best. Well, right. So it just bogs everybody down in this legal minefield. And it makes it very difficult to uh, to progress. Basically, what happened was Etsy got forty million or forty million dollars from some sort of an investor, and the news must have crossed the ears of this patent troll company that was just sitting sitting around waiting for somebody to get some money in their pocket. And then they decided to go ahead and strike because now they know that Etsy's got forty million dollars. So let's see how much we can get out of them. Uh, and so even if even if Etsy, even if this lawsuit is determined to be completely fallacious by the judge and whatever court takes a look at this, even if they end up kicking this out, that doesn't mean it wasn't a huge hassle for Etsy, who had to hire some corporate lawyers on board and spend who knows how many thousands of dollars defending themselves. So I would have thought that they would go after some of the people that sell things on Etsy. I thought that that's where the story was going, that they... No, they don't have any money. I guess I just I just thought that they were going to say, "Oh, you're selling stuff that's been patented on here." No, but it sounds like they're going about, after the Etsy site because right. of something something that has to do with the way they store messages. Yeah, so that's like, just so funny to me. <laughs> you know, can you send a message to a seller on Etsy? That's what we're probably looking at. Yeah, here. right. Okay, I don't so, know some sort can. of technical detail behind their website that these how, guys are saying. Well, we own that. You can't do that. Yeah, but my my question is 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 how complex is it to save some text file on a a server? Basically, you access you, you create a database and you put you know information in the different slots of the database. It's crazy. It's very simple. There isn't much to it, and you're going to say you're going to patent it, right? So what? There, there's what? Let's say okay. Let's just let's just take this patent thing down the road to the extreme. Let's say someone patents a way to it patents the inbox. Let's say okay. So so this person patents the idea of an inbox. Now all the other email services out there. They have to change how they do what they do. Right. They can't have an inbox anymore. Well, that would be there would be what there'd be a couple options here. There would be the option one is for Etsy to change how they do what they do, to hire some pro- programmers to come in and rewrite the code so they can say, okay, it's different now from you know, markedly different from how your patent is, so therefore your case no longer is any good. Alternately, they can offer a settlement, and according to uh, SciFace Online, uh, one of our researchers, he says that that's what these guys are really after. They they basically come to the table with this lawsuit, and Etsy looks at the lawsuit or whatever the company is, Amazon, Etsy, whoever it is they're going after with the money. They look at the lawsuit, and they say, all right, well, these guys want a certain amount of money to go away, basically. And are we going to spend the money on the lawyers to defend ourselves in court, or are we just going to go ahead and say – all right, fine. You've got this patent. How much do you want? 
and then shell out the cash. Right. And then you know, I wonder how many people exactly because why it's either way either way you're spending money unproductively exactly in, in yep. one of the ways you could you could potentially end up wasting more money unproductively if for whatever reason the judge in the robe the robed man the wise man decides with this person and you're you're like well I don't want to take it any further because I've already wasted enough resources right well they're basically throwing the arduous judicial system at uh, people holding money bags that throws it at their feet and waits for them to trip up and drop their money because, you know, it's just, it's not a justice system. It's a, it's a corrupt system that allows people to uh, fight with one another and steal from one another. And it gives the advantage to the people that know the system, the, the people that are attorneys, and that's those are the people that run these corporations. That's They're, why people hate lawyers. Well, they, there are a lot of reasons why people hate lawyers, but that is certainly one of them. And uh, essentially, you've just got a gaggle of attorneys here at this company that knows uh, that knows the process, they know how it works, and they know how to intimidate companies into just throwing up their hands and saying, it ain't worth going to court, we'll just settle. We'll just give you $1 million of our $40 million. Here you go. They could have spent that on uh, advertising. They could have spent that on developing their software. They could have spent that on all manner of different things, upgrading their business. But now the million dollars or however much the se- settlement is, we don't know more about this. It's a pretty fresh lawsuit, uh, so it hasn't been resolved at this point. But whatever the arbitrary amount of money is, that's money that's going to go into these lawyers' pockets. And then they're going to take that money and they're going to spend it on assistance to go and look up and see who's got some more money. And exactly. it's just an ongoing process. And that hurts the consumer. But somebody who is listening to this saying you know, saying to themselves, yeah, okay, guys, that sounds fine, but patents are important. Okay, sure, there may be some people who are abusing the system, but, I mean, we've got to protect inventors. We've got to make it so these people can invent things and be rewarded for what they invent and not just have somebody come in off the streets, reverse engineer uh, the product, and then be able to just take away all their uh, their business. Yeah, but think about it this way, though. If this is, I was actually thinking about this just the other day as we were, uh, you know, I was at work, I was cleaning this piece of machinery and, and part of it, you know, I took off and it had this list of patents and then this other thing that said, this machine is protected by patents under U.S. patent law, blah, 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 this and that. And I was thinking about it and I was like, well, that's, that's an excuse to be lazy. If you think about innovation and how things change and how evolution occurs within technology, within life, within everything around us, and once a company gets a patent, then they sort of rest on that patent. I'm just going to sit here and keep making milk stuff it. with this. Yeah, milk this patent. Well, it's a monopoly. The, everyone knows monopolies right. are bad, but then when it comes to individual monopolies, all of a sudden that's okay. Mm. Right. It's it's. But my. Uh, we'll come back with more. 855-450-FREE about patents and how it is they actually repel... Uh, innovation, new ideas, fresh ideas from hitting the market sooner rather than later. one 855 Maybe you've got some experience in this area and you'd like to share. Or you can bring up anything you want. Take control of the airwaves here at one 855 This is Free Talk Live. Are you excited about Flaming Freedom's bigger, gayer dance party at this year's Pork Fest? Oh, yeah. Well, you should be. There's going to be hopping dance music and a giant tent full of Liberty lovers getting their gay on. By gay? Do you mean happy? Uh, d- sure, Claire. Super Gay Dre is bringing his elite team of drag queens led by Violencia. There's going to be raffles for all kinds of prizes, as well as prizes for gayest costume, best drag queen, and best drag king. So get your ticket now for the insanely cheap price of just $5 at flamingfreedom.com slash danceparty.
Free Talk Live. You can bring us anything you want here at 855-453. Your thoughts on patents, intellectual property, how things can be uh, developed in a world without government monopoly protection. 855-453 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And, of course, you can join us over at freetalklive.com, where you can enjoy a lot of features. We've got archives there that will take you all the way back to late 2006. You can download as many episodes as you'd like. Just go click and enjoy over at freetalklive.com. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. And Allie is here, uh, courtesy of her radio program, Ladies in Keen. Tell me what your show's about, Allie. Our show, uh, typically the hosts are me, Cecilia, and Kate. And we are all activists in our own way. And uh, we basically just talk about uh, things that are going on in Keene. And sometimes we start talking about philosophy or just really whatever we feel like talking about that time. So um, so what, what would make somebody want to tune in who doesn't live in Keene, New Hampshire? I mean, obviously, that's where we do this radio program from. It's where Ladies in Keene is based. It's, a, it's certainly a big destination for uh, liberty-minded people who are coming here. Manchester, of course, also. Of course, we're talking about the Free State Project, where like-minded, liberty-oriented folks are all converging on the same place. But why, uh, why would somebody in California be interested in listening to Ladies in Keene? Because it's super smart, pretty chicks talking about liberty. All right, you've sold Wow. <laughs> wow. Smart, pretty ladies? Yep. I mean, what more do you want? Exactly. And liberty. Oh, yeah, that's feisty, right. Feisty, feisty too. Feisty. Oh, that's right. They are so you can sassy. go to ladiesandkeen.com. That's ladies in K-E-E-N-E, ladiesandkeen.com to get more of Allie there. As we go here to your phone calls, and uh, JJ, I know you wanted to make uh, to finish your thoughts on the patent thing. Let's bring uh, Wallace on in Vermont and uh, see what he thinks, though, first. Wallace, you're on Free Talk Live. How you doing? Uh, first off, uh, I think you guys are making a little bit of a confusion. There's a difference between patent and copyright. Yes, there is. The software, the software is copyrighted. Uh, it's not patented. And uh, I myself... Well, through... you are incorrect uh, about that. There are apparently patents that do apply to certain uh, functions of software. If it basically is hardware-based. But if it's software-based, it's definitely comes under the copyright statute. And uh, I've been through this myself personally. I've written software, uh, which basically I have successfully sued to protect uh, the copyright. And uh, the, the bottom line is that uh, uh, if, if basically you're talking about, uh, like they mentioned, uh, parts of a machine or what have you, uh, that's definitely patent. Or if it's basically hardware-based, where uh, it goes on to a uh, mechanical device, that's that's considered patent. But if it's okay, so what we are talking about here is when data is stored, it is going on to a mechanical device. So when it, it, it still comes under the, the the copyright because it's actually code, uh, computer code. But what, but you said if a mechanical device is involved, it's patent. So when you take that computer code and you write it physically on a platter on a magnetic disk, then uh, then magnetic, at that point magnetic it's magnetic disk. You can't repatent uh, a hard drive. In other words, the hard drive itself is patented. And if you're putting the 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 code, the the this software code, onto the hard drive, that's basically. Uh, not a hardware 
issue and it's not patentable okay you know i i appreciate your opinion i don't know what the the law is i don't claim to be an expert on intellectual property but i'm telling you that this lawsuit from a company that presumably is you know has done this before because basically according to the story at gigohome.com this uh, company has essentially filed what appears to be uh, a template lawsuit. In fact, at one point in the lawsuit, point number 38, they actually forget to fill in the name of the website in what is appear, appears to be a template. It has like www. A blank space and then dot com. So they basically have this website, uh, this, this patent lawsuit that they've already pre-written, and they just go after companies one one after another with this thing. So I don't know. Maybe there's something that you're missing, or maybe we're not. Maybe this. Well, uh, the, the, we, the easiest way is to go to the website, the Patent and Trademark uh, website in in Washington D.C. and put in the name of the the company supposedly that's got the patent or copyright. And uh, you should be able to find that out in, inside of a few seconds to a minute. Uh, that takes number one. The second thing that I was calling about is a little bit more important. Uh, you guys basically have been talking about uh, uh, people that have been getting arrested for uh, videotaping, audio taping, and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, uh, I became paralyzed recently as a result of a surgical procedure that went bad, and I'm paralyzed from the waist down. Yikes. I've had occasion to call the civil, the, the uh, New Hampshire Civil Liberties Union and Vermont and, and other states concerning my disabilities. And I went through and I talked to these guys, and uh, they told me that uh, the American Civil Liberties Union and all the various chapters across the country are very interested in this video taping wiretap law, and they're interested in basically having people call them that are personally uh, injured. And uh, perhaps if basically uh, you guys could put it on uh, out more than more than once, that people that are that are being arrested and and uh, whatever you want to call it, harassed by by these uh, police officers and law enforcement officers. But if they would call their local uh, civil liberties union uh, offices, and there are chapters in every state mm-hmm. uh, across the nation, I think even in Canada too, that uh, they're looking for people very actively uh, to bring test cases. Good to and know. Wallace, thanks for the heads world. up on that, man. And uh, good luck out there. Appreciate hearing from you tonight at 855-450-FREE. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you are uh, harassed by the police and they threaten you or take your camera from you or somehow you feel like your rights have been violated, it can be hard to find an attorney who cares enough to take the case. So maybe the ACLU or your state version of the ACLU could be of assistance there. I can't say I have much experience with them. I know that I did file something uh, with them regarding the sheriffs oppressing people's rights in this uh, in this town. And it took them like a couple months to write me back. Like you couldn't just call them. They only take s- submissions by paper. So it's kind of you know, this antiquated thing where you have to write to them. And so I did that, and it took them a while to get back to me. And then eventually they got back to me. By that time, I'd forgotten what I'd sent them because I, I, I guess I hand-wrote it. I, I think that uh, I didn't type it up on a, on a computer for whatever reason. I barely even remembered like all the details of what I'd sent to them because so much has happened here, so many uh, rights violations. And essentially their response was, well, 
that I'd mentioned what had happened to other people in this uh, letter because there have been a lot of people who's had their rights violated. And they basically said, well, you need to have each of these people write us something. So that's kind of where where I left it. So I just didn't. I don't have time to go and jump through all these hoops. But yeah. hopefully they need to make it easy for people. Yeah, hopefully somebody well, else can do that. This is the ACLU. You, yeah, the New Hampshire CLU. Right, right. Um, I I mean, I'd like to see. Maybe this is you know the was the initial idea behind um, the Civil Disobedience Fund. Um, if that's what it's called, Civil Disobedience Education Fund, uh, Education or Evolution, Evolution. No, I don't. I don't remember. Okay, it's been so long. Well, that's I'm kind of, not on the board anymore. Okay, well, that, that's kind of yeah, what Civil my Disobedience Evolution in, Fund. Initial idea was to be an ACLU for liberty activists, sort of thing. Yeah, they which, need some help right now. They're kind of floundering. Yeah, um, but uh, you know that's that's unfortunate, really. It is. Uh, you know, activist projects sometimes come and they sometimes go, and some of them that seemed like they should be good ideas. Just people burn out because ultimately it's always a volunteer effort. And most of us have a lot of irons in the fire. I mean, you guys were telling me before you came on the air here tonight that's been a swamp day for you. You, you know, you've been working all day and didn't sleep a lot. And it's hard to fit in activism uh, after all that. Yep. So, it's been a tough day. <laughs> yeah. So we need more people here sooner rather than later to help mitigate those circumstances. For Eight, sure. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. We'll tell you more about the uh, Free State Project here in a bit. Also, JJ, we're going to get back to your thoughts on patents. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll come back to that here in a moment. 855-450-FREE. Do we need patents? Are they actually useful to development? Are they valuable to inventors? It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want at 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733 here tonight. It's Ian. Allie. And JJ. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, go to promote.freetalklive.com. And that's where you'll find different things that you can do, like print out flyers or get a free bumper sticker to help support Free Talk Live and uh, help get in, uh, get us into more ears around the world. Promote.freetalklive.com will take you there. Now, many companies, as they grow, lose their passion and mandate. That's not the case with O'Neill Coffee. Their third-generation family-owned business still roasts each batch with the finest beans and utmost care. They have more than 40 varieties of gourmet and flavored coffees. Their house blend is the kind of cup of coffee that's been enjoyed in this country for decades. To show Free Talk Live listeners, that's you, their commitment to freedom and making great coffee, they're offering you a free mug and free shipping on orders of $75 or more. You can support great coffee craftsmanship over at coffee.freetalklive.com. That's coffee.freetalklive.com. And I believe you can use code FTL to get the free mug. 855-450-FREE is uh, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Now, we'd begun discussing uh, the issue of patents based on a, a lawsuit that's been filed against Etsy, an online company which allows folks who are crafty to sell their handcrafted items to uh, wanting and willing buyers, and they got a recent $40 million in uh, investment, so an infusion of cash and 
Well, those sorts of things tend to attract uh, these what they call patent troll companies, and this company came uh, came after Etsy with a lawsuit. It is is currently pending, but basically saying they violated their patent on a messaging system of some sort. The way they to wait, the way they store uh, and retrieve messages, essentially, this company claiming that they have patented that. And they're looking for an unspecified uh, amount of money. So they're basically hoping that Etsy is going to just open up their checkbook and uh, cut them a check to make them go away rather than go to court. Do you think it's possible that they are just sending out these patent things when there's no patent at all? Do you think they're just scaring them and the, the fact that they don't understand the patent minefield? They're, they're just looking at this piece of paper and it's in this different language. And they're like, well, let's just throw money at them. Well, I'm sure Etsy has its own lawyers. Sure. Like, okay. they've got people for that. But, I mean, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's probably very, some of the laws are probably very vague, so it could be interpreted differently by different people. Well, they've filed this uh, this lawsuit at this point. So to take a suit into court and cite an actual U.S. patent number, which you can go and look up. I mean, if you want to, you can just take the patent number, go to the U.S. patents website, and you can pull up these patents and you can see what they say. Uh, I mean, they must have they must have them. I mean, otherwise it would be a clear joke of a lawsuit. The lawyers would be able to look at it and just kick it right out the door and right. make it make it really clear that this isn't even something that should be filed. Uh, but the system is unwieldy. The system is difficult, and they are looking for a jury trial on this, uh, according to this case. Which I think, honestly, given that not everybody is a computer geek, you know what I'm saying. If you have a jury trial and you're talking about code and you're talking oh, yeah. about software and hardware and how they interact, a lot of the people in the jury trial are going to be like, I have no idea what right. they're talking about. What am I supposed to do if I was ever on a jury and they start talking about computer stuff? I wouldn't know how to, I mean, I'd probably just say not guilty, but I, I would not know <laughs> the situation. I would just be like, not guilty. I don't understand. And, and part of, <laughs> yeah, part of my idea I was talking about uh, earlier in, in the uh, episode is, uh, you know this this uh, this piece of machinery I was looking at and had all these patents. I was thinking, well, if everybody can make it, okay, let's just say there are no patents. So if there's an idea out there, you can copy it. You can copy it. Then it comes down to this: if everybody can make the same thing, then it's gonna, as far as the marketplace is concerned, it's gonna come down to who can provide the best service, mm-hmm. who can provide the best perks or incentives for people to buy from them and then what you'll find is a marketplace that truly caters to the customer's demands because if everybody can make the same thing it's going to be those service oriented businesses that actually succeed right i mean the, the the competitiveness isn't about who can have a good idea faster it's about who can apply an idea and and make people respond act and buy or contribute the fastest or, you know, to the greatest extent. It's not who can think of the most fantasiful thing. It's, you know, it, you have to imply some work to it. Right. Well, and ideas are really, uh, really useful in that you can combine them. So you can combine an idea with another idea and you can combine an existing idea, something that is already a product or service. You can combine that with a new idea or a new, uh, use a new resource or use an old resource in a new way. So ideas are really important and they're what we essentially have that makes our life great. I mean, everything you look around you, wherever you are right now, everything was an idea. 
uh, first. I mean, except for the natural resources uh, that you use to build these things, you know, whether it's the car you're driving in, uh, whether it's the studio that we're sitting in here. I mean, somebody thought of each one of these things that uh, that we use and in many cases take for granted right. uh, in our lives. You know, the front door, you know, somebody came up with an idea at one exactly. point and now we just uh, see it. So thank goodness, you know, whoever it is that in, invented the, the idea of a door isn't still collecting money on every door company out there manufacturing doors. I mean, how ridiculous and absurd would that that tracking system even be to try to figure out who's using your idea and who's, you know, making money off of it and shame on you. You can't make money off my idea without paying me first. It's terrible. Right. If we we still had the patent system, imagine how it would be without government. Like, without the governmental force to enforce these sorts of things, they had to go through civil procedures and actually talk things out and sort of like... uh, you know, a more free market way instead of the monopolistic way of using the state. I mean, even even if there was, that's why government, of course, comes down to the center of this. The strike the root is the government. You know, created the patent system. That's right. But you're, are you suggesting that there might still be some intellectual property law without the government? That's you know, it's it's a difficult. I just it, see it difficult. I, I would see I, I can't it see hard how to that do. It, yeah, I, exactly. I can't see how that it would actually be real. I mean, it would have to. I don't know how that would actually. I happen. could see it like on. It's interesting. For instance, uh, in the tattoo community, at least, it there's certain rules, um, unspoken or unwritten rules about uh, what you can tattoo on someone, and you're not supposed to just go through a tattoo magazine and say. Uh, if you're tattoo artist and, and you know put the exact same tattoo on someone that you saw in a magazine, you're really supposed to, uh, you know, if if it's if it's a tattoo, then you shouldn't copy it. If it's a piece of art, then it's okay in some aspects. But they have different sort of rules and protocols about what kind of things. Um, are appropriate, I guess. So, like more like an uh, industry standard rather kind than of. something that is enforced. Like, yeah, by, it's not by it's violence. not enforced, but it's one of those things where it becomes a culture, mm-hmm. and then the culture sort of drives people to act, uh, to behave in certain ways. And there are certain behaviors that are not considered acceptable because um, you're supposed to respect one another's one another's art. So. Okay. But ultimately, I could, in theory, find some unscrupulous tattoo artist who's willing to rip off somebody else's tattoo. Right. But then you don't get to brag about, oh, I went to this person yeah. to get my tattoo. But who cares? If I you see. don't care about that, then... Right. <laughs> yeah, if you if all you care about is that tattoo, then... Right. And, of course, we've talked about uh, patents when it comes to things like products, uh, say, you know, these expensive purses uh, that some ladies are very interested in uh, in owning, and the Chinese knockoff versions of them that cost... a fraction, you know, one fortieth of the price of the actual real brand name. And, uh, you know, these companies that are that are making these insanely expensive purses are able to survive in a world in which they they are under competition from these knockoff brands. So there are ways for companies to continue to profit and uh, and innovate, uh, even though there is that chance out there that somebody's going to copy what you've done. And the the big one of the big arguments from the people that support patent law is, well, what about the inventors? The inventors, you know, these guys they come up with these uh, great ideas, and then somebody's just going to steal it. Somebody with a better better marketing budget, somebody with a large manufacturing plant, they're just going to steal that idea or borrow it, I guess. And uh, none of the the inventor's not going to get anything. So how are you supposed to reward the inventor in the absence of the government's patent laws that's a great question i i think you know if you take government out of the equation of course 
or even if the even if there's just take the patent office out of the equation, um, it's it's difficult to sort of to say like let's say a guy makes an invention in his garage and somehow gets it stolen or borrowed whatever, and the idea is is you know somehow. I don't know how it's difficult to see how that inventor would give that idea out without trying to pursue it. And it's almost sort of like, well, did you, did you mean to do this or was this an accident or did they come in and they steal it from your computer or that seems, that doesn't seem too likely. It just seems weird as how that would work itself. out. I don't think people own ideas. Simple. I, I agree with that. But right. if you are the originator of the idea, then maybe it would be a good idea to keep it close to your chest until you can get, you know, a company to sign a non-disclosure agreement and then uh, possibly pay you for the idea. And there have to be ways for the inventors to uh, to profit from their ideas, and we can talk about that more here. If you've got an idea you'd like to share, feel free eight five five four fifty free. Do you ever have connectivity problems due to poor Wi-Fi reception? I have an amazing solution for you. C-Crane's Super USB Wi-Fi Antenna 3. It can provide connectivity for up to a mile. We're using it at my house, and I can't describe it as anything but stunning. This antenna will change your life. If you're not familiar with the C-Crane company, their products are the best. I highly endorse the C-Crane company. Get your Super USB Wi-Fi antenna at ccrane.com. C-C-R-A-N-E.com. is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want at 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that await you there. Once again, freetalklive.com. You can actually control the content of the site. So you find something online that you want to share with our listeners, head over to freetalklive.com, submit it. And then others can vote as to whether or not they like or dislike uh, what you have submitted. You get to vote on things as well. And the most voted up, make it to the front page and the top of the site. So head over to freetalklive.com to get interactive. For those of you just tuning in here in Hour 2, we spent a good portion of the first hour talking about patents. And whether they're called patent trolls, which are essentially corporate shell companies that basically exist for the purpose of lawyers being able to go after corporations that have a bunch of money and essentially intimidate them with patent, scary-sounding patent lawsuits – uh, until they hand over some cash and settle outside of court. Uh, it's happening to the company Etsy right now, and there are plenty of other companies that have gone through this. Basically, as soon as your company is successful is when you can expect these uh, patent trolls to come around. Obviously, they're not going to come after you if you don't have any money to give to them. So you actually have to make it first, uh, and then they'll go ahead and start filing these lawsuits against you. But it brought up a longer discussion, and Ali and JJ are with me uh, here tonight, uh, longer discussion about patents in general and well you know what can we do how could things work without patents and of course they've been around for our entire lifetimes and much longer than that so we're used to these things existing uh, certainly companies are used to them and th- the question of how things would be invented uh, without the use of patents is a really interesting one to uh, to examine because a lot of people will say that well with no patents then the inventors are screwed they're you know they're not going to be able to make any money so therefore why would they invent anything and I think a lot of inventors you know I'm sure a lot of them want to hit it big and make something that really brings home the the bacon for them. 
But I think a lot of people just invent because they love to invent. Yeah. Just because that's their thing. That's what they do. I'm not saying they shouldn't be rewarded for it. But it's interesting to look at different uh, things out there that don't actually have patents on them. And I believe that uh, the clothing industry is one of them. So there are people who come up with new clothing designs. Somebody's out there inventing whatever the new style is for fall of 2012. Uh, and they know that ultimately some, some other company, some Chinese ripoff brand or whatever, is going to come in and they're going to ape whatever it is that they come up with, and they're going to sell it for a fraction of the price. But yet they still keep coming up with new ideas every single year for people, or you know, reusing old ideas. But uh, you know, there are new ideas being uh, come up with in these areas, and they've never had patent so-called protection. So when you take an example like that, it makes it pretty clear that, first of all, not every industry has patenting protection uh, to it. And secondly, those that aren't p- protected by patents are doing fine. You know, right. People have to buy clothes and clothes you know they like their clothes to be unique right they like their clothes to look different so somebody's there making money off of that even though they know that the competition is hot and heavy so that's true i mean one of my least favorite uh, applications of intellectual property is in the medicinal industry where it used to ron i love when ron paul talks about how before there were intellectual property and pharmaceuticals uh it was cheap to get your medication now it's expensive who thinks that the pharmaceutical companies need more money I mean, is it really worth propping up this idea when you're keeping sick people from getting help they need? Absolutely. And of course, uh, there's a big... The, the, the problem with uh, medicines is much larger than just patents, though, right? So you've got patents plus the FDA. So for instance, if they, these pharmaceutical companies didn't have patents and didn't have the FDA to deal with, then it would be much easier for them to compete in an open marketplace. Because right now, one of the reasons why they need patents is because they have to spend, what is it, $19 billion or something crazy like that, some insane amount of money to take whatever the new product is that they're trying to develop and get to market through this lengthy, you know, 10-plus year-long FDA approval process, which may or may not end up panning out. So, you know, how many... It, yeah, it certainly hasn't panned out for some drugs. And in fact, uh, some of the drugs that have passed through this process, and maybe even faster than 10 years in some cases, depending on your, uh, your connections with the FDA, they've you know killed a lot of people. Right. So it's certainly not a, uh, a flawless process to right. begin with. But the point being, they've got to spend buku bucks to bring one of these uh, products to market. So of course they're going to want to have uh, however many years it is, some arbitrary number of years before the generics can come in and start competing with them. Uh, so that's really important to them so they can make that $19 billion or whatever the, uh, the amount was that the FDA extracted from them. So if they didn't have to go through the FDA process and there was just you know, whatever industry vetting that uh, came about as a natural you know, third-party certifications that they could optionally go through, if they didn't have that $19 billion to spend, it wouldn't be so important to have the 10 years or how many years it is where they're protected from, uh, from competition. Right. And you say it's optional and there might be people out there that fervently – Uh, support intellectual property and they say well it shouldn't be optional if you're selling drugs to people it should have to meet certain standards but i think when you say it's optional you're saying that uh it's optional in that you could try to not go through some kind of certification third-party certification but no one's going to want your product if everyone trusts you know if everyone's like it's not certified by this company well then i'm not going to put it in my body because you know i I don't trust anything that's not certified. So it's optional, but it would be really stupid not to. Yeah. Precisely. And and part of what I was I was thinking uh, you know, 
over this the break of what's in a free society, how to handle new ideas. Let's say you come up with an uh, you come up with an invention to improve lawnmowers, mm-hmm. okay, and that this lawnmower, it's uh, whatever it does the lawn mowing much better, okay. And you don't have a company, you don't have any money, you don't have any way of taking this product to market. My suggestion, based on free market activities that I've experienced here in Keene, is be transparent about it. Shout to the hills that, hey, I have this idea and it's going to improve lawn mowing. And if anybody out there is interested to know more, I could share more with you. If you want to help me make this happen, we can all work together and make some money off of it. But being transparent, being open about your ideas and your inventions that you come up with, I think is the way to handle it in a free market because... For one, you can gauge market response. If you get a lot of people that say, hey, man, I'm really interested in that new lawnmower because I sure hate my old lawnmower mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you know, and then you, other companies might see this and they might go, oh, wow, there's a lot of interest. Well, let's uh, let's let's talk to this guy and back him up and, and see if we can't get, you know, Johnson's lawnmower on the market or whatever it is. Um, there must be ways to accomplish this, especially now with the internet being able to connect people together exactly. much easier than before, bringing down barriers and removing gatekeepers from these uh, these processes. Or even, you know, there's a lot of stuff created on the internet now, not just on the internet, but by individuals, of course, and it's shared. There's a lot of share free software, free applications, free open this, source, yeah. uh, open source, exactly, and. I think people still end up making money with open source. Well, yeah, the interesting thing about that is that uh, the open source products can make money in that the people who know them can provide support for them. So they can give the product away, but maybe you're somebody that doesn't really know how to use the product very well and you just don't really want to follow the tutorials. So, you know, you call them for help and, okay, well, yeah, we'll help you, but. You know, it costs money to provide you with this help service. We've got to have somebody staff the phones, and so therefore you've got to pay for a, a, an account uh, for the assistance that you would need to use this. But otherwise, people that know what they're doing, they don't need that help. They don't have to pay for that. They can just download the software and, and utilize it. And of course, as we've seen with open source, it allows other people to come in and improve those ideas without having to beg permission. Uh, it, it just allows for things to get better on their own through natural processes. Right. I think it's more organic when it's open source because it's it's for one when you hide something, it's you know you're treating it like a rock. You're going to put a rock underneath a rock, and mm-hmm. it's like that rock isn't going to see sunlight. It's not going to you know whatever. But if you're open about it, if you're more leaving it open to the marketplace because that's that's really the critical point is when you make something open source you're exposing it to sunlight and you're going to get this feedback and maybe your idea is good but this other person's like wow you know that's a pretty good idea but i have this this one little thing that's going to make it better you know bam and and then that person adds their thing and it's just all of a sudden your idea just sort of evolves into something even greater than you thought it would right. be. Oh my gosh, it's like Kate's video of the graduation speech. Amazing speech. All props go to Kate. But if it hadn't been for JJ willing to go and uh, adjust the audio to make it so that everyone on any computer could hear it really well, who knows, it would have reached a lot less people probably. So you making that very little tweak to it helped it a lot. There's more coming up here. The video you're talking about is available at ladiesinkeen.com. By the way, it's a, it really is a great graduation speech. 855-450-FREE. Your thoughts are welcome. Intellectual property, patents, etc. Bring up anything. 
what has happened to America and when did it become okay for the government to extort wealth from the American people? As a former law enforcement officer, I have explained in my new book, In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth, how absolute property ownership has been denied to the American people, how and why inflation is fleecing America, how law enforcement officers are being used to suppress and criminalize the beliefs of liberty and freedom. In Plain Sight explains how we can restore what was once a free America. Get your copy of In Plain Sight, The Disregarded Truth today at Amazon.com. Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll free, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. We have a lot of them, including the bulletin board system where you can go and get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners. Go to bbs.freetalklive.com to do that. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And since we were talking about patents and open source, there's a great example of something open source that is incredibly useful. It's the Bitcoin. Maybe you've heard about it. It's the world's first potentially anonymous digital cash. No contracts to sign. No terms of service by which uh, you need to abide. No corporation is in charge. No government is, uh, is involved. Of course, the governments hate that. And I imagine the corporations aren't too happy either. But you can go and get the the Bitcoin software now and begin using Bitcoins in just a few minutes. Now, if you need to know more, and you probably should, uh, go and learn more at WeUseCoins.org. There's a great little two-minute video there, less than two minutes, that'll break it down for you. WeUseCoins.org. And thanks to BitInstant.com, you can have Bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. Buy your Bitcoins with cash. Visit bitinstant.com, 855-450-FREE to the phones and your thoughts about whatever's on your mind. Kevin is listening in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live, Kevin. Hey, how's everybody doing tonight? Kevin, great. What's on your mind? Well, I'm hoping you're able to hear me. Uh, the weather down here is absolutely terrible today. You sound fine. Go um, ahead. I, want, I wanted to give you a live report uh, from uh, Bilderberg 2012 in Chantilly, Virginia, which I'm not sure if you guys are following. No, I mean, what what is there to follow besides the fact that the, this is a yearly conference where a bunch of uh, rich people and executives types and power mongers uh, get together and ostensibly plan to control the world? Uh, but it's very secretive, well, um, right? Like they that, don't let anybody that's in. The idea is that it might be uh, it might be that nefarious, um, but really, I think a, a big piece of it is that we just don't know for certain because whereas things like Davos. Uh, might have some uh, media coverage and is above board. This is completely behind closed doors. And really, as far as American mainstream media, there's no presence. Um, we lucked out and had the Associated Press there this morning. Um, well, but that, other that than wouldn't that, be it's no really presence. To independent journalists uh, such as myself and Adam Kokesh, Alex Jones, uh, Dan Dix from Canada, and and people like this to, to try and figure out what's really going on here. Okay, so what's really going on? Well, um, you've got uh, about 120 to 150 of uh, the richest power brokers in the entire world, again, meeting behind closed doors um, to discuss uh, foreign policy, global foreign policy, uh, and things like this. So you have uh, like the head of the NSA meeting with Henry Kissinger and uh, Mr. Schmidt, the head of Google, 
possibly even Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. Uh, these these types, um, former former uh, attendees like Hillary Clinton, uh, quite potentially President Obama has been there four years ago at the same establishment in Chantilly, um, discussing policies that are affecting everyone on a daily basis. Um, this is a group that that uh, really. Uh, pushed for a European Union and, and uh, I guess, essentially created the European Union decades ago and, and pushed this agenda. And we're, we're, we see now that things like, uh, you know, these, these trade, trade, unions, trade unions and such, things like the EU and, and one currency for a global zone like that are not working out so well for us now. Um, so whatever it is that they're discussing behind the fences that they've erected outside of the Westfield Marriott in Chantilly, Virginia, uh, and just an amazing police presence here, um, whatever it is that they're discussing, I, don't, I personally don't feel that it's for the greater good of any of we the people, um, and it's, it's not something in our benefit. Is that their discussion that goes against we the people, well, or you know. is it it's their all power? It's secretive. I, I don't even understand why they meet in person. Why, if they're wealthy and everything, why don't they just use Video some kind of wealthy Skype type thing? Yeah, why don't they just use Skype? Right. Um, well, I don't know. That, Maybe there's that's something. The question. And this group has been annual all over the world since the mid 1950s when it was set up uh, by um, uh, oh, what was his name, Prince Prince. Uh, someone of the of the Netherlands. Uh, sorry, his name escapes me at the moment. Um, who actually? Right, it was, was actually uh, named after the first. Wasn't it II? named after the hotel that they were first holding it in? Yeah, they were named after the Bilderberg Hotel in Oosterbeek, uh, um, not Switzerland, uh, in in Holland, I believe. But let me, let me uh, answer uh, yeah, Allie's question here about why it is that uh, they would meet in person. I mean, there's something that's unique about meeting in person with another human being. If I'm looking at you on a telescreen, the eye contact's not quite the same. It's not quite the same level of communication. Uh, and, you know, we have our own conferences. Porkfest, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, is coming up. Now, of course, everything's open at uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival. You can come in and go as you please at uh, pretty much everything that goes on, although there is a, a VIP luncheon, and I have a feeling that you'll get, you're going to be kept out of the VIP luncheon unless you're actually a VIP, someone who's paid the uh, $100 where, price tag. Where is the luncheon at? I don't know. It's a secret. No, actually, I have no idea. I, I just haven't looked, at, <laughs> I haven't looked into it yet. It's a secret. <laughs> but I know that since I'm an advertiser with the Porcupine Freedom Festival, I will probably be able to attend that luncheon. Whether I'm awake to attend the lun- luncheon is another question. Are you allowed to discuss the things that uh, you heard in the meeting? Is, the that, is this a secret group of uh, porcupines that uh, make decisions for the rest of the porcupines? Not really. You can become a <laughs> VIP by ordering the VIP ticket for like 100 bucks. It's basically a way to oh, subsidize. Oh, I got free tickets. Well, yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying... <laughs> VIP. You know, there's a, yeah. there's a difference between Porkfest and, and, and this because... Everyone's invite or everyone who's liberty minded who's be who'd be interested in going to Porkfest can come. No but- doubt, there's a difference. I'm just saying that, like, well, we could just hang out on the internet, right? You know, but I'm well, that's what we do the rest of the year. But right, and, and they could do this, <laughs> and they could do the same thing too. These power mongers, right? Right. So. Well, but it- I guess it seems like it's like slapping people in the face by being like, "Yeah, we're all going to meet up, and you're all going to know about it." And guess who's going to be there? Everyone you don't like, and and well, you know, you're not going to know anything about what we talk so many about. People don't know about it. Well, isn't that why the police are there? Because of all the people who are probably going to be protesting? Well, we do have, there, there is a good presence of maybe around two, 300 people both yesterday and today, and the protests are just going to grow in numbers. 
through this weekend. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is definitely the largest presence that they've ever seen outside the gate, um, and I don't think that they like it. Uh, we actually were standing just on the other side of a blacked-out fence. Uh, we could see the conference room from where we were. We had um, probably uh, five to ten people there with bullhorns for a while, um, just trying to uh, make their meeting a little bit more difficult, perhaps. Um, uh, at so how long point, is this going on? Is this going on all week? Uh, a, a large presence of police officers over to make sure that everyone was on the curb and not on the street. Kevin, we how long is this going on? That one toe on the street, and he was immediately forcefully arrested. Kevin, uh, how long is uh, how long is this conference going going to be running? Is it is it about, all week? Uh, hey, I don't know woman, if you can hear us. Maybe about He's 100 pounds. Kevin, how long is this going to be going on? I'm I'm sorry, I'm having trouble hearing you guys. Okay, well, I'll tell you, we'll let you go. Thanks for the call. Appreciate Um, hearing from you tonight at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I don't know if there's anything that's actually going to happen at this, you know, that anybody's ever going to be able to to confirm, to report, like they absolutely know what happened, because there's a lot of secrecy around it. It's Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society, the wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live, toll-free number for you, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features on the site. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. And joining you this evening, it's Ian here. Allie. And JJ. Also want to invite you to learn more about what JJ's projects are out there. There's uh, one of them. There's a Free Keen TV. It's a weekly liberty-oriented television news product uh, that is available live both here in uh, it is live here in uh, cheshire tv or in new king new hampshire on cheshire tv but it is also broadcast uh, cheshire tv's got a web stream so you can watch it live that way if you want our friend derek J is currently in a jail cell he used to host uh, tuesday nights on free talk live with us he's actually able to watch the show live as it airs uh, we actually from jail. saw him uh monday right after the show so you, he, you he, went. You went out to see him. Yeah, we went out to see him, and we were actually driving there during the show. And we were like, "Oh, wait a minute, he's he might be watching." Watching, and yes, right. sure enough, we got there right after the show, and he's like, "Oh, I just finished watching." Now, the reason you were able to drive there during the show is because this week was unique in that they had to actually had to close the facility on Monday due to the government holiday or yep. whatever, and so you you had to pre-record a show for this week. But you guys are cranking out content every single week of a liberty-oriented nature, and it's news. So it's something that's pretty unique, I think, in the the liberty movement. Uh, People can go to tv.freekeen.com to learn more about it. And this week, uh, if you want to tune in, this is a special expose on an individual within the liberty movement who was asked to wear a wire, and we'll explain more and what he did and what he said. Yeah, it's going to be a, an exclusive interview with That's that right. uh, with that person. You can learn more about it now if you go to freekeen.com because Pete and the demo from copblock.org have done some pretty exhaustive yes. uh, research on the I topic. I plan to include that. 
Yeah, so uh, so freekeen.com is where to learn more. But go to tv.freekeen.com to uh, to get some freekeen TV. And then if you uh, you appreciate what uh, JJ's been up to and you've got some video work that you need taken care of, you don't want to do it yourself because it's time-consuming, uh, and you need somebody who's an expert at it, uh, JJ is uh, available for you. And uh, you can go to Starfall Media on YouTube. Just search that, yeah. Starfall Media, and that Starfall is one word, and you'll be able to find some demo packages and stuff like that. Excellent. All right, 855-450-FREE. As we continue here, we can talk more about Bilderberg here in a moment and whatever it is that's going on. But Stephen's on the line in Rhode Island with, uh, well, something a little different. Stephen, go ahead with your thoughts. Stephen in Rhode Island. Going once. Stephen in Rhode Island. Going twice. All right, tell you what, we're going to put Stephen back on hold. Maybe he had a bad sell or something like that. There's a pretty lengthy piece on Bilderberg right now over at The Guardian, guardian.co.uk. And, of course, as our last caller, Kevin, would point out, it figures that you're going to get you know more detailed reporting on Bilderberg from uh, international media than you will from the local guys. And th- I'm not going to go through this whole thing. It just kind of describes the scene on the ground with a bunch of activists uh, out there. The gentleman that called a moment ago, the uh, Kevin, is down in the in the uh, the thick of things down there. And I guess there, are, he said, there's more people there, more protesters, more activists there this year than than he's ever seen. Uh, but basically, they put up a security perimeter around the hotel of choice. In this case, I think it's the Marriott or something like that. They essentially rent out the entire hotel. They lock down the the premises. There's heavy heavy security, private security, heavy police. And a fairly large amount of independent journalists, people that uh, are, are upset, uh, folks like Luke Rudowski, uh, Luke Rudkowski from We Are Change, uh, even Alex Jones from the Alex Jones Show. Uh, he's there, I guess, broadcasting his program live. And really, this is an, an ideal kind of a circumstance for somebody like Alex Jones. I mean, the, the Bilderberg Group, by being so secretive, in, inevitably invites conspiracy theory. Right. When you don't have the ability to, uh, when you don't have that transparency factor, people are going to speculate. Yeah. And well, then speculations can go wild. Exactly. They're going to be curious. And that's why, you know, here, you know, in the, the liberty movement, so to speak, being transparent sort of dispels a lot of myths and rumors that perhaps the state agents might have about what's going on here. Right. And who knows what it is they're talking about in there? I mean, it seems like reasonable speculation to say that they're plotting to control things because that's the position that many of these people are in. They are in the control of big mega corporations. They are in the control of uh, the governments of the world. So these are definitely the uh, the, the who's who. These are the, the movers and the shakers and the power brokers. And so, I mean, what are they going to They're not going to sit there and play plus PlayStation 3, are they? I mean, what are they what are they actually doing there? Well, it's I, I I honestly haven't spent much time and energy of my own worrying about Bilderberg. I understand they have a lot of influence because they are the barons of society, if yeah. you will. I understand that they can do a lot, but I guess my focus personally is more local and in in an area where I think I I, I can actually have some influence. So I don't let myself be distracted by such things very, very often. Well, I mean, I think you can make a good point is that obviously by these people, these people, powerful people, wealthy people, um, technically should be in competition with one another. You know, not powerful, I should say. Wealthy people should be in competition with one another. They shouldn't be meeting up and collaborating with one another. 
they should be trying to suit the interests of their customers. These people obviously have more interests in getting what they want from each other and benefiting from their relationship with each other instead of competing with one another, which just to people that that seems blatantly wrong. That doesn't seem right that all the wealthy people are colluding together. That no obviously there's something uh, there, there's something not right about about our circumstances if that's what's going on. Well, there's definitely that sizzle uh, to this whole scenario where people want to know what's happening. Why are all these elites meeting together? What could they possibly be talking about? But ultimately, I agree with you, JJ, that you can spend all the time you want speculating. Go ahead, find out the guest list and try to figure out what you know Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook is going to talk about with uh, you know some politician from somewhere else. I don't know. And uh, if you want to spend a bunch of your time, you can probably sink a whole lot of it into it. Go ahead and sink some money in, too, while you're at it. Spend uh, money on an airplane ticket or drive across the country to go to Chantilly, Virginia, where you can stand outside this hotel with a pair of binoculars uh, and a you know, video camera and try to catch a glimpse of which, whichever you know, politician or a business executive is walking in, getting out of a, a darkened limo and walking into the hotel. I mean, that's essentially, if you've ever seen any of the reporting on this, that's essentially what it... it it amounts to oh look there's so there's so and so going into the hotel <laughs> and uh, it's like you know it's basically just a who's who of uh, of industry sorts and uh, politicians but there's never really anything more than that because it's it's so secure i mean that's security to the max at this place I don't think anyone's ever successfully like gotten into the the Bilderberg group and you know snuck a camera in well, to record the goings on. If that were to come out, it would be pretty huge. But a bunch of guys standing around the outside uh, with megaphones shouting at these people, I, I don't really see what that's that's going to accomplish. Well, they don't do it to they don't. I mean, they might say that they do it so that they'll see us out here. They don't. Obviously, they know that they don't care what the people, protesters, are saying. We're on to you, Bilderberg. <laughs> right? So I think that really it's just sort of a way for these people um, who indulge in the conspiracy thing. I think it's just sort of like, you know, people who get involved in fantasy and fiction books and stuff. They get really into it. And I see it as just sort of an innocent way to explore your imagination. And I see conspiracy theorists as relatively harmless, uh, maybe overly imaginative people. Sure. Yeah. I think it's the only the only point that, you know, I I don't know, personally I caution myself against, you know, getting too deep into it and then all of a sudden you're you know, you're extrapolating things and you're creating paranoid delusions. You know, and that mm-hmm. you know, you're creating things to, uh, by which you should be afraid of and that's not healthy, I don't think. So I don't know. Well, the, the most that's I agree with you. The the one of the most dangerous aspects of the conspiracy movement is maybe they are right. Maybe they're onto something. Maybe there is something uh, untoward going on at this Bilderberg conference. But ultimately, you don't really know. So there's all that speculation and all that paranoia, and it it all folds into this overarching story that the conspiracy crowd tends to uh, subscribe to, and that is that. These people want to destroy the way things are. They want to control you. They want to imprison you. They want to, you know, decimate the population, wipe out. You know, some say there's like a plan to eliminate 80% of the world's population. So it all kind of uh, goes into this narrative about total destruction, total control, total imprisonment. I mean, Alex Jones, one of his websites is prisonplanet.com. Yeah. Well, and politicians are conspiracy theorists too, but their ideas hurt people. And these are ideas that if you uh, get bogged down in them, will result in you thinking there's no chance for freedom, will result in you believing that it's hopeless because these people are so powerful. So you just give up. Free Talk Live. 
Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want, dial in toll-free, and take control of these airwaves. 1-855-450-3733. Whether you want to talk about patents or Bilderberg or anything that's on your mind goes. 855-450-FREE. Here tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. And if you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, go no further than ManVentureOutpost.com. They carry knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Their prices in some cases are so low they can't even be mentioned on the air. You can get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick and get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. As we continue here, I think we We've got Stephen back in Rhode Island. Uh, Stephen, you're back on Free Talk Live. Uh, had some phone trouble there earlier. Yeah. Stephen, what's on your mind tonight? Um, I uh, well, um, do you guys live in New Hampshire? We do. Yeah, definitely. Because that's where my auntie and uncle live. Oh, that's nice. It's a very pretty place. New Hampshire is. Yeah, and um, I just wanted to talk about what I um uh, I couldn't talk about. Like yesterday. Oh, you had called in with the uh, with some sort of a question about Legos, but you were on a really bad phone yesterday, or something was wrong with the connection because it wasn't working well. But you sound fine today, so go ahead. Yeah, um, but that was on my iPod. That's why you couldn't hear me that well. Mm, okay. All right. Um, about the stuff. Um, I just well, I just wanted to tell that. Um. I just get nervous a lot. That's so. all right. It's okay. It's it's radio. Just you you know, just pretend like you're talking with uh, with just a few friends on the phone. All right. So don't worry about it. Well, um, I just had some problems with someone today. Someone? What? Do you go to school? No. Um, it's from Nickelodeon. Do you know them? I. You know, it's been a long time since I've actually watched Nickelodeon. I'm 31 now, but uh, I remember Nickelodeon. I'm, I grew I'm up right with there it. with you. Yeah. SpongeBob. I yeah, probably I probably know a bunch of Nickelodeon shows you've never even heard of. Uh, God, what was the one with the with the, where you get where the people would get slimed? Don't do that. Don't slime you can't time say, live. No, no, you can't say that on television. Yes. Wasn't that what it was called? It or was called slime time television. slime time live in my in my day. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this I called um the business, and um this guy says stop calling me, and um or I'm gonna call the cops. Hold on. So, wait a minute. What does that have to do with Nickelodeon? You called a business, and I'm confused. The Nickelodeon business. You called the Nickelodeon channel? Yeah. And how did you get their phone number? Well, there was this guy um, uh, says it, said it, um, and he prank calls people. On what people? Prank calls. Oh, prank, prank calls. Okay. So, wait, there's a prank call show on Nickelodeon these days? No, um, but he prank called Nickelodeon. I got the number for it. 
I see. Right. So you were watching a prank call. Now, where was this prank call show? Was it on TV or was it on the internet somewhere? Okay, so you saw some prank video on the internet. The dude in the prank video gave out Nickelodeon's phone number, and you decided to call them. Were you intending to, to prank call Nickelodeon as well, or were you calling for a, a more legitimate reason? Well, more legitimate reason. What was your intention? I really wanted to see. Um, uh, talk to Jeanette McCurdy. Who, who's that? From iCarly. Say again. iCarly. Icarly is a show. It's a show. Okay, so she's one of the characters or uh, or, or folks on that show. Well, normally yeah. when you normally when you call a big corporation like a television uh, company like that, I think Viacom owns uh, Nickelodeon, if I'm not mistaken. MD, it, basically, it's an MTV company. Uh, and when you call a big corporation like that, you're you're first going to get the the front desk uh, lady, and and essentially there are levels of what they call gatekeepers, people who basically try to keep you away from uh, the person that you want to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because if you think about it, and what was her name again? I'm sorry. Jeanette McCurdy. Jeanette. So if you think about Jeanette, like you're probably the not you're probably not the only person who watches the show. There's probably a lot of people that watch uh, iCarly. That's a far, probably a fairly popular show, and so you're probably not the only viewer who would like to talk to Jeanette, who thinks that Jeanette is just you know the greatest thing since sliced bread, and is a big fan. And uh, unfortunately, Jeanette probably only has so many hours in her uh, her day, like the rest of us do. And some of those hours are spent sleeping. Some of them are spent working on producing the show, maybe filming the, the program, and uh, some of the other hours she needs to herself uh, to, uh, to have Jeanette time. And so she's probably not even working in the building uh, in which uh, that you called. Uh, but it's, that's no excuse for them to be rude to you. You said that you had a, you had a difficult time with them? Yeah. What did they, what did they say? They said they were going to call the cops on me again if I called. How many times did you call? Well, my friend kept on calling, and I told him to stop. Ah, uh, yeah. So was he was he calling from your phone? Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to do that. Generally, uh, if you're calling someplace once, you leave a message. Person doesn't get back to you. It's okay usually to follow up maybe in a in a few weeks down the line to try again, see if you can maybe get through to that person. But overall, you don't want to be a pest. You don't want to be somebody who's uh, who's unwanted. Uh, you know, if, if you're calling and, and no one's answering and no one's calling you back. That probably means that they don't want to talk to you or they just don't have time. And a lot of people are very busy. But if you do call over and over again to the same business, they're going to get frustrated by that because they're looking to talk to people that want to do business with them. Uh, and if you're sitting on the phone the whole day, all day long, then that's that's less that they can get done because but, of that. But that doesn't mean that the girl in iCarly doesn't want to you know, doesn't want to hear from you. I'm sure she'd love to hear from all of her fans, but she probably has a lot of fans and it would just, it would, she would spend all day uh, listening to her fans on the phone and not being able to make the show if, if she did that. So what would you tell her if you got uh, Jeanette to answer the phone, what would you have said? Like, I would say, like, um, I'm a big fan and um, I just wanted to say hi and, um, they're pretty cool on the show. That's great. <laughs> that is so sweet. That is very nice. So what I'd recommend is that uh, find the website. There's probably a website for iCarly here, and I'm looking at uh, the Internet Movie Database. It appears to be a, a television show from uh, 2007, 2012, so apparently it's still being produced. Uh, they likely have their own uh, website, and that's likely where you can find a Contact Us link 
to allow you to send a comment into the show. Now, it's probably going to be the case that Jeanette doesn't read her own comments, but that may or may not be true. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, just depending on what level of uh, involvement uh, a a star wants to have with their fan base. Uh, So that's the way I would recommend doing it. Try sending an email instead of uh, trying to get somebody on the phone. That way, if Jeanette is looking through uh, comments from her fans, she may actually take time every week to, you know, go. maybe she takes a half an hour, an hour a week to just go through comments from fans. And if she gets too many of them, she probably doesn't have time to respond to them all. So don't feel bad if Jeanette doesn't uh, doesn't write you back. But if you do send a comment in, it's likely that somebody who knows Jeanette, maybe her assistant or her manager, is actually looking at those comments. And there's a chance that maybe Jeanette herself is. And I'm sure she, like anybody, would really appreciate hearing a nice thing from a fan like you, Stephen. And I wish you the best of luck. And thank you for the call tonight at 855-450-FREE. Who knows, maybe, you know, with with uh, the way age works, maybe when he's older and she's older, but it doesn't seem like such a big difference, they'll get married. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Who knows? Way to lead him on there, Allie. I dreamt about marrying all kinds of people when I was little. Give me I mean, one. Give me one. Ashton Kutcher. Wow. <laughs> I, know, I was like, like oh, man. <laughs> I know uh, it's you like got every, punked. Every, oh, shut, <laughs> shut up! I was like so little. I'm just saying you got punked by me, by, instead of Ashton, <laughs> you could end up with him instead of me. Yeah, that that oh. would be getting punked, I guess. Yeah. So I think I think we handled. Did, did we hand Steve, handle? I think Steven you did a well? great job, Ian. Okay. I am really happy with the way you handled that call. It was it was kind of cute to hear you use phrases like "greatest thing since sliced bread" because mm. I'm like was. Maybe he doesn't even know what that means, right? right? It could be over his head. He's sliced red. We've had that all the time. (laughs) It's not that great. He knew knew what legitimate means. I tend to to think that younger people are more with it than a lot of people understand. You know, that they they underestimate. I I tend to try to uh, treat younger people like they are young adults, basically. I don't want to assume that they're old and wizened and know everything. And so I try to use smaller words at times to try to make a point very clear. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, definitely treat individuals with respect and that covers all ages. I just want to, he mentioned that he was nervous, but it's just funny because they're probably grown adults who are thinking they'd like to call in, but they just can't build up the nerve. I, I know that I've wanted to call into radio shows and I didn't have oh, the, yeah. the guts to do it. So Good for him for, uh, for pulling that off. Props. Uh, so there you go, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can actually call and talk to the three of us uh, anytime you want. Uh, we'll, of course, talk to you about anything at all. Uh, but after the show's over, you know, we give you three hours a night where you can call and interact with us. And then after that, we do other things uh, with our time because there's a lot to do. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour number three is on the way. You can take control of these airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Get 18,000 radio stations from around the world. Pandora, Opio, Live 365, and MP3 tunes. With C-Crane's CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio. It's great in any room of the house. You can listen to your favorite station stream from back home, whether it's another state or another country. Play Free Talk Live's live streams, lrn.fm, or your favorite stations. If you're not familiar with the C-Crane company, their products are the best. Get the CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio at ccrane.com. ccrane.com. Thank you. 
This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want at 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. 1-855-450-3733. Now, there's a new product that I have been uh, tooling around with here at the LRN.FM studios, and that is... It's a, It's basically an internet radio. It's called the CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio. And it's not just any internet radio. It's the one from C. Crane Company. And these guys know what they're doing when it comes to electronics. They are the best. You can get 18,000 radio stations from around the world. Pandora, Opio, Live 365, MP3 Tune. You can do it all through the CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio. You can get your own over at ccrane.com and play your favorite station. And it could be uh, whether it's your local uh, radio station you just can't get in your office building, you want to tune them in on their internet stream, or you want to listen to Free Talk Live's uh, looping 24-hour-a-day streams, or LRN.FM, we're on there. So you can get that and put it in any room of the house, anywhere you get a Wi-Fi signal, and you've got 18,000 radio channels uh, to choose from. <laughs> go to ccrane.com to get yours. That's the CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio at ccrane.com. So we go to the phones, to your thoughts, and if we get a chance... Mayor Michael Bloomberg from New York City has something to say to the critics of his plan to ban large-sized sugary drinks from the city. First, let's go to Eddie Free, listening in D.C. You're on Free Talk Live. Eddie Free. Eddie Free, going once. Eddie Free. Can you hear me? Hey, I got you. Hey, guys. Good show tonight. Hey, Hey, Eddie. Go ahead. Good to hear. Go ahead with your thoughts. Well, I've been able to attend a few hours of, of Bilderberg. I, I caught a little bit of what you guys were talking about. I agree with some of it. Um, I, I actually think it's a good thing that uh, activists are out there. Um, I think that uh, transparency is, is really important to fighting corruption. And, um, you know, I mean, I just like the state at all levels, and especially at a global level, um, you know, as far as... Uh, conspiracy theory and, and 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 these people getting bogged down in conspiracy theory, I see that as detrimental too. Um, but I but I but like I said, I, I do have to have to. I, I think that it's a good thing that these people are out there and just bringing more light uh, to this secret meeting. Is anything going to be learned from it? Well, no. It's it's it, it's way. It's just highly secretive. No, we're not going. We're going to find out who's in. You know, who's arriving, Prince Philip, and, and whatnot. And we'll see later on. You know, as, as you know, the policies that they come up with. Um, you know, we'll see that transpire later on. But but um, you know, getting stuck in conspiracy theory. Yeah, I, I I'd rather you know focus on you know tangible things such as the Federal Reserve or the police state things that we can see. Um, but I still think it's a good idea for 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 people to ask questions and uh, make their voices heard out there. No doubt. I, I think I I think I can agree with pretty much everything you've said. I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask questions, but I think you also need to be cautious that you don't go down the conspiracy rabbit hole, which can lead to paranoia. It can lead to delusion. It can lead to uh, this kind of just oppressive uh, version of the world that you believe that you are living in, which is 
uh, essentially that there are people out there controlling everything that you do, and so therefore, you know, it's hopeless and there's no chance for liberty because all these elites are in total control and the military is going to, you know, destroy uh, freedom. And I mean, there, there's all kinds of negativity that usually surrounds the conspiracy movement. And of course, it's easy to be negative. There are a lot of really bad news stories out there and some scary stuff. I mean, you got drones flying around now, so it's easy to get into that particular perspective. I just my concern is that people who follow the, these sorts of reports are more than just idly interested. Many of them will become obsessed, and that that could be that could be a little unhealthy. Uh, I think that's true. Um, me personally, I actually came into the ideas of, of liberty through the conspiracy side of things. Me too, I, Eddie. Um, yeah, I, I started you know reading about the Illuminati and you know just all that kind of crazy stuff. And, and I can see that as being detrimental, too, because, I mean, if you're trying to spread the ideas of liberty and then you're telling, you know, and then, and then you start going into uh, where these people um, have babies delivered to them in gold blankets and they drink their blood, you're just going to throw off so many people. And then they're not going to listen to you right. uh, when you try to talk to them about the police state or the Federal Reserve. So you're right. I think uh, going that route is, is not the way to do it, but I think I still think it's very important. I'm, I'm going to go back up at, uh, tomorrow. Um, I've got a health condition that only allows me to, you know, just spend a few hours so far um, out there. But, but um, well, let us but, know if, uh, if you uh, determine anything or if there's anything interesting that uh, that transpires out there. And I'm, I'm I am sorry to hear about the uh, the health condition I'd heard about. You told me that in person uh, previously, and that's one of the reasons why you're uh, you're going to have to put off your plans to uh, make the move. To New Hampshire, unfortunately, but uh, keep keep us in the loop, Eddie. And I appreciate hearing from you tonight. Eight five five four fifty free. Jimmy is on the line, listening in Indy to WXNT. Hey, Jimmy. Yeah. Hey, you're on the air. All right. What I want to say is that you know it's like Area fifty one at Bilderberg thing. Yeah. You can paint on it anything you want. People For sure. put their fears on it, and they put the uh, conspiracy theory on it because they really don't know what's going on behind closed doors. That's a great point, and there are plenty of people that uh, you know make their pilgrimage to Area Fifty One. All the you know, exactly, yeah, and you know, essentially they get sold some uh, some stuff by the local uh, right. tourist traps, right. and uh, they right. go stand around and take pictures of empty you know mountain ranges. Right. There was a show on TV recently here on the History Channel where a group of people who were investigating the Bohemian Grove got all the way up to the grove, and they got arrested. Wow. Well, it was probably for trespassing, right? California. <laughs> yeah. And they're trespassing on private property. So Exactly. It's the same thing with the Bilderberg people. They want to be left alone. So what would be better than to surround themselves with a police, a police presence like that? And that just speculates more people putting more stuff on the way of skeptability of what's going on behind closed doors. I hear you. Anything else you want to share tonight, Jimmy? No, I just think it's silly. I think they're just making the big thing out of nothing. Very good. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Let's go to Giuliano, listening also to WXNT. Hey, Giuliano, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Great. What's on your mind? Not too much. I was just calling in to, uh, first of all, I listen to you guys all the time. and Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to know what you guys thought about that incident in Florida where the man was caught eating the other man's face and the police had to shoot him and take him down. Did you guys hear about that? I didn't hear about it. Yeah, I, oh, I, yes. I heard about that on the Facebooks. It's pretty scary. Yeah, I, well, 
I'm in Indianapolis. My sister lives down there in Palm Beach, uh, Palm Beach Island in Florida. And I called her to kind of get a grasp on what was going on. And all she's heard was that it was uh, apparently this guy was all messed up due to the effects of bath, bath salt. If you guys are familiar with that, I that's am. kind of a new thing. I've I've never uh, tr- I've never they, tried them because they uh, they seem pretty scary uh, to me. But uh, yeah, I've I've definitely heard of bath salts. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm definitely staying away from those too. But uh, I mean, they say you know, I, you know, apparently due to the effects of this drug, you know, which is supposed to be stronger than like acid or you know anything else that's out there. This man apparently thought he was a zombie and started eating this other man's face while he was alive. Now wait, yeah. is the guy who you said the police had to shoot him? Is he dead? The guy that was eating the face. I do. Be- I believe he was shot to death. The reports I saw was that the cop shot him once when he told him to get off the body, and he wouldn't. So kind of to get his attention, I guess he popped one into him. And then uh, later on, I heard just from other people, not in the news report, that he had to shoot him about three or four more times to get him to actually stop eating that guy. That's creepy. I heard that. I heard that when the cop made contact with him, the guy stopped. And had pieces of this man's, you know, face hanging out of his mouth and looked up at the sky and started growling. And, I mean, these were on, you know, news reports, you know, on dot-coms and such. Man, it was just it was just kind of crazy, you know. It seems like, you know, this might be patient zero for the zombie apocalypse or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there's certainly a lot of talk about that, especially with some other weird stories uh, also in the news that are kind of uh, similar, where according to CNN.com, uh, there's apparently a Maryland man who's admitted to killing his housemate, cutting him up, and then eating his heart and part of his brain. Yeah. Uh, New Jersey man rips his torso open and throws bits of his intestines at police. Uh, men in Miami happens upon uh, this is again the, the 75% of his face was chewed off the one you're talking about in an 18 minute long attack uh, it is pretty freaky uh, Giuliano and I, I appreciate uh, your call here I would say if you're concerned get some weapons and prepare for the end thanks for the call hey, I'm in we, do a, we do a Den Knife show every month <laughs> very good sir thanks 855-450-FREE SACL CAI toll free line yourself by trading with value visit don't tread on meme.com browse their unique silver dime trading cards and get all your favorite designs gift them keep them or trade them for something else their real value in a convenient package and a tool that you can use to spread the word about honest money and how it sets us free while you're at it check out their quality apparel you'll want to be the first of your friends to get their clever graphics on you don't tread on meme that's don't tread on meme.com This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. 855-453 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free for you. So head over there. Enjoy those on us. We've got news updates. You can get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, go to news.freetalklive.com. And you can follow us via email, Twitter, or Facebook there. That's news.freetalklive.com. And we were just talking with somebody about the zombie apocalypse, which is one of those trending terms on the Internet right now, as uh, a few different bizarre and sick uh, news stories from around the country have captured the attention of a lot of people, and they've uh, labeled it as such. Of course, there aren't actually zombies. Nobody has risen from the dead or has been you know, taken over by some bizarre infection uh, that anybody has noticed yet. There's just been some sick attacks 
And as is pointed out here at the CNN piece, and as we pointed out the other night when we talked about this briefly, is that uh, there are always crazy, sick people out there doing just disgusting and despicable things to other human beings. Uh, It's being reported on. You're able to see these stories now faster than before. And then when one happens, it's somewhat similar in another way in that it's gruesome, like the first story. Then somebody applies a label to that. And now all of a sudden, you know, with everybody watching The Walking Dead, this uh, great television series that's been on uh, recently and all the zombie movies that have come before it, you know, there's a name that people have attached to this. But ultimately... There's no evidence of anything being zombies uh, out there. So. Right. I think that it's fine. definitely got a cult following. And, and it, maybe I'm just going to posit this for, for a moment. What if people who really like the zombie apocalypse ideology or whatever, that, that fantasy, if you will, mm-hmm. what if they really like the idea of being free? Because in a zombie apocalypse, the government is gone. There is no... like authoritative structure you're an individual a sovereign and you're you're up to your own to take care of yourself and your personal responsibility what if it's that sense of freedom that they really want i don't know it seems like a stretch maybe they just like seeing gore on the screen to me having to run from people trying to eat me is not freedom but maybe to some people it is i've known people that say if the zombie apocalypse apocalypse doesn't happen in my lifetime i will be disappointed well, maybe we were already in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, but it's kind of a more of an intellectual one. Uh, so, for instance, you've got the, the statism out there, the idea that uh, the state is good, that it's a great idea, and that it's helpful and beneficial to... the road? <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, to beneficial to mankind. Uh, you know, this mindset of obedience uh, has been passed on from there generation to generation, and, and it spreads like a horrible malady. Right, yeah. Government is the cancer that is killing, you know, society or whatever. I you know, think Bob Murphy is a zombie. What? Bob I don't know. Murphy I've seen pictures. Is a intellectual thinker within the liberty movement. <laughs> right. There's tons of pictures of him, and he looks like a zombie. I'm sorry. Wow. You know, look it up. Google him. You can, uh, by the way, you don't have to stay in the negativity. You can look toward a positive future. And, of course, this kind of ties into the conversation we were having about Bilderberg earlier in the conspiracy movement, which tends to be of the negative side. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot of positive uh, news out there. Things are getting better uh, in a lot of ways. Technology is amazing. Uh, There's all sorts of interesting developments coming uh, coming out from around the world that are very exciting. I know Mark was talking about 3D printing not too long ago. And, of course, there's a lot more than that uh, as we approach uh, the melding of human beings and machines. I mean, there's a whole lot of interesting things that are going to happen in our lifetimes. And sometimes you've got to listen to something positive. Uh, Forget about all the negative news and tune in at Vertical. Verbalsurgery.com. Tim Cummins has a way of getting inside your head and helping you feel great. And uh, a lot of people have been enjoying uh, his podcast. It's, it's, again, Verbal Surgery, and it's really a unique product, something you're probably never going to hear on the radio waves. So you have to go to Verbalsurgery.com to listen to Tim Cummings at Verbal Surgery. You'll be happy you did. Let's go to the phones to your thoughts and go to Dusty listening in West Virginia to Charleston's WVTS. Hey, Dusty. How you doing? Hey, what's on your mind? Oh, just nothing really. I was talk. I listened earlier. Like that guy in Miami said, he was high on the bath salts. And um, up here in our home state, we have a problem with that with synthetic drugs and pills and everything else. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a young kid around here. He uh, got high on bath salts, and uh, he murdered. I guess he took a, na- a neighbor's pet goat and killed it. You know, this will sound bad. He, I'm come from West Virginia, so this is going to just, you know, 
make people think that we're a bunch of idiot you know, goat screwers, but they found him in his house in women's underwear and had porno mags around the goat. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is, um, I won't, I'm not yeah. going to say it's amazing. It's horrifying. Yeah, they got a stuff called, also called K2. They call it synthetic marijuana, and people have been smoking that around here, too. Well, it's, it's going on all over the place. I'd like to point out it's not a, just a West Virginia thing. Uh, these products are out there. They're available. And many of them uh, you can order online. Of course, a lot of them are available in convenience stores. Um, I've heard v- a variety of reviews of uh, the K2 or the synthetic marijuana product. And, of course, there are different products out there that are chemical configurations that are different. Uh, so one bath salt is not necessarily the same as the next bath salt, and one synthetic cannabinoid is not necessarily the same as the next. So uh, due diligence is required if you are going to get into this area. But I would highly recommend you don't uh, because no. there's not a lot of experience out there. At least with drugs like LSD or MDMA or cannabis, you know, you have decades of experience. In the case of cannabis, it's thousands of years. Of, uh, of human use, but you've got a long time that people have been using these uh, classic drugs, the ones that have been illegal for a long time, and so therefore there's more people know more what to expect. There's a lot that's been written down. There's a lot that's been studied scientifically, whereas the the bath salt uh, community is completely new. There's no real experience with this, no significant long-term uh, usage uh, patterns or experiences or, you know, what are the effects after 20 years? Nobody really has any idea. So it's a really, it's a potentially very dangerous world. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. People just pretty much you know, getting anything they can, ha- they can get and just trying to get high off of it. Just well, that's true. It. And it's one of the reasons, you know, the, all of the scary things that are happening with these bath salts are an argument to end drug prohibition. Because if people could just go out and get real drugs, right. then they wouldn't need to be trying these knockoff versions of Well, them. and also not only do drugs differ and there's, you know, obviously different effects, but also the person that takes the drug has a certain physiology, and their chemical makeup is different than other individuals, so drugs affect everybody differently. And one person's bath salt experience might be perfectly normal and fine, and the next person, they're eating faces. So it's that's why, you know, if, if... I'd rather do a drug that's been around for thousands of years, and a lot of people have an experience with it, rather than, oh, this is a new thing? Yeah, let, yeah let's try it try out. Try everything new. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Dusty, thanks for sharing tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. The Christian Anarchist is on the line in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Alley and JJ. Hey, I was going to call you and tell you, update you on my son's uh, Social Security number situation, but it's funny that you mentioned 3D printing because I'm sitting here right now with Google SketchUp, uh, making some projects to print on our uh, new uh, replicator that we bought a few weeks back. Oh, wow. Nice. Well, I can tell you what, if you want to tell us more, you're welcome to hang on. We'll bring you back in moments. 855-453-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. Plus, more on the soda ban. If we get a chance, we'll tell you about what's going on in New York City. We brought the news to you last night, but Mayor Michael Bloomberg has struck back. And he has a few things to say to his critics uh, about his proposal to ban all soft drinks over 16 ounces from a lot of places in NYC. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Porcupine Realtor. Do you want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin? Any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers. 
Mike Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealtor.com This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want at 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website where we have listening options. There are broadband, mid-band, and narrowband streams, different size bit rates for different internet connection sizes. Go on over to uh, listen.freetalklive.com. You can get tuned in there. Also learn about the over 100 great radio stations that air the show throughout the week at various different times. Our satellite listening choices, including XM Satellite Radio, as well as free-to-air KU Band Satellite, our webcam, and the listen lines that allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance and listen that way. Go to listen.freetalklive.com, and if you run a website or blog, and you've been thinking about having a forum on your site, but you don't want to compromise the privacy of your users, you should consider plainboards.com. Drop on into plainboards.com, P-L-A-I-N, boards.com. They offer free-to-use anonymous message boards to anyone who wants one. You don't even have to be a webmaster you can just go type in the name of the board that you want and then it's there for you you don't have to install anything you don't have to identify yourself it's there it's anonymous and it's free plainboards.com to the phones back to gene the christian anarchist listening in tennessee uh gene go ahead with your thoughts well um i was going to update you on uh, what my son has done with his social security because he just turned 18 and he's going to college next year Mm -hmm. and uh you know i've uh, I managed to keep him, uh, raise him without a social security number. Wow, that had to be quite the task. It was. I mean, uh, when we started paying income taxes again, which was about seven years ago, of course, we couldn't claim him on any of our tax returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just gotten so difficult at this point because he can't get a bank account. He can't get uh, um, a job. What about uh, student loans? Well, we... We're fortunately able to not worry about student loans. That's good. So uh, we didn't have to deal with that. And uh, he did get <clears throat> into college. We got him We got him uh, enlisted in college without a Social Security number. Huh. It, it wasn't a problem at all. In fact, uh, they said, no, you don't need a Social Security number to be in college. But it came down to him getting a bank account. So finally... Uh, him and his mother went down to get the social security number. Oh, man. I didn't want to go along because uh, uh, I would not do well in a social security office, I'm afraid. So I sent them to by themselves on that little mission. So he did finally have to apply for one. And it's kind of funny because they wouldn't, because he's 18, of course, you know, they're suspicious. They want to check the, the birth certificate. Uh, so they have to call Alaska, which is where he was born, and verify that this is a valid birth certificate. Hmm. And uh, But, I mean, he's got a passport and everything. We've been to China twice a year for I don't know how many years. But it, it's kind of funny that they make such a big deal out of getting this slave number of theirs. So, so he was able to get a passport without having a Social Security number? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't need a passport. for so. I mean, you don't need a Social Security number for a passport what, if you don't have one. What did you have to show? What sort of ID did you have to show to get a passport with no social? Driver's license, I guess. How did you? Had, how do you get a driver's license? With I mean, no not social? a driver's license, a birth certificate, and we had to show up and you know sign a paper saying, "Yeah, that's our son." You know, I, I see. Mean, I think that was all it took. Huh? It was. It wasn't really that difficult. Um, but that was years and years ago. I mean, he had a passport since he was like three years old. So. Mm. 
I wonder if it's harder to do. I wonder if it's possible now to do it without a social security number to get a passport. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, so. he had it renewed about two years ago without a social security number. That wasn't an issue, but he'd already had a passport. So, See, I feel like when I went to get my passport, it was about two years ago. I feel like I had to give a bunch of information, like government information. And I seem to remember giving them my social security number, but maybe it was one of those things they asked for. And I just, just, you just you know, gave it to him, I just yeah. gave it to him. I yeah. didn't protest it. I, I did not give my social security number when I got my passport, but again, that was many years ago. And uh, I, all I've done since then is renew it, and I've never included a social security number when I renewed it. So, But I'm sure they've got it somewhere. They know what it is. They're not. So they, that's kind they, of a disappointment, right? Like after all that time uh, that now he's well, going to have to have the social security kind of, number. But, you know, he couldn't get a bank account. And it's funny we could get him a bank account in China. Uh, wow, but, but we couldn't find a way to him for him to have a credit, uh, like a Visa card issued in China that he could use uh, free, freely here. They do make them, of course, right? But but the problem was then getting the money from here into the account in China. So without a job, man, and that a bank system locks. Here, it's a locked down system. It is very difficult to work uh, in any way, shape, or form productively without being part of that system. And uh, it's it's dif- it's dif- disappointing. I'm, but anyway, I'm sorry a couple of months ago, I came across the 3D printer, and I showed it to my son, who was 17 then, and he said, yeah, that looks cool. So I went ahead and ordered me one of those replicators. Oh, took awesome. about nine weeks before they, they delivered it, because there's like a nine-week build time. What is it and, that you've uh, made with it thus far? Oh, we've made a few things. We made... Uh, he's doing most of the work, not me. And that's the main reason I got it, because I figured... If he's going to get into engineering or something, he needs something like this. So he's made, just downloaded some things off Thingiverse.com, like a geared heart, uh, another geared uh, toy thing that he's making. Uh, I have uh, Thingiverse uh, uh, account, and I've been playing with SketchUp. I've, the only thing I've uploaded to Thingiverse so far is my Ron Paul Revolution pack plaque that I made. So yeah. basically, this is a website where um, it, it's kind of like an open source thing where people can upload the the things that they've created in like three D design programs, and then right. you can, and you can uh, print freely, those out. You can freely download anything you want off of there, and there's some very interesting things there that you can download and build. Cool. I'm going to look into that. Thingiverse dot com. Yep. All right. Very good. Uh, Gene, anything else you want to share tonight? Well, just that I think that it's a good brain tool if you've got a child who's growing up and uh, they're in their teens, and, and they're curious about something, and you want them to you want to bring out their creativity, I think a 3D printer is an excellent investment. We bought the one with the, with the dual head so that you can print two colors, and it was only a little over $2,000. And I say that's Ooh. better than an education. You know, you can get mm-hmm. that, put it, set it in your room, and set the kid free, give them a little instruction on how to do the, the three-dimensional drawing, and before you know it, he'll be... Uh, He'll be flying on that. No, thing. it's it's basically is it like a plastic sort of product that it's printing? Yes, it prints prints in ABS plastic, or there's another uh, corn based product that it can print in. Huh. And, and wh- actually, there's uh, an extruder that you can buy that you can download from Thingiverse and build yourself that will allow you to make three dimensional chocolate items. Wow! So you're wow. you're printing chocolate. Yep, you can print yourself so awesome. a chocolate Easter bunny <laughs> nice. and then eat it. Want. Wow. I want. <laughs> oh, it's so neat. Now, what about the... what? A, look, if it's a printer that costs $2,000, uh, 
one of the, one of the problems with printers, just the old ink kind of printers, is that the ink's really expensive. What does it cost to reload one of these things? Like, how many well, things it, can you print, and then how you know what does it cost to refill it? These things use these big, heavy spools of plastic, and a printer is a is a misnomer because really what it is, it's a plastic extruding machine that it, that extrudes in three dimensions, but it uses this big spool of of plastic in a in a cord like like shape, and that goes in through the top of the machine through the extruder, gets melted, and put pressed out into your shape that you want. And that stuff, they're about forty five fifty dollars a reel. Mm-hmm. We got two reels with the machine. We've made quite a few things, and we haven't even made a dent on those reels. So mm. you can build a lot of stuff for fifty dollars worth of plastic. Pretty cool. It sounds yeah. exciting. I just, you know, for for the for the money, it's just out of my ballpark at the at the moment. I can't imagine what I would do. But like you said, for a young person, for somebody who's really interested in creating and then you know taking something from the screen and, and making it real, I mean, that's pretty exciting. Well, now, there is one day it'll be in everyone's go. home. It will. There's a lot cheaper way to go if you've got the time to do it. There's something called the RepRap project. R E P R A P, and that has to do with uh, machines reproducing machines, and you just go RepRap. Uh, in Google, you'll come up with it. It's people building their own and helping each other build their own. And you could build one of these machines for yourself for about five to $600. Unbelievable. And it's only going to get cheaper over time. So, and cheaper and better. And uh, it's fascinating. Thanks, uh, Gene, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. 855-450-FREE. Just looking here at uh, Thingiverse.com, they have a one-piece printable glider that flies. That sounds kind of cool. So you can print out your own toys uh, for your children here on this thing. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. You take control. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, Buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love, but make sure you give three bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-FREE. Here tonight, it's Ian. Allie. And JJ. And we invite you over to our website at freetalklive.com. If you like this program and you enjoy Free Talk Live, you want to help support the show, then you can become an amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp as in advertise, market, and promote. Amp.freetalklive.com. You may get signed up there for as little as $3 per month. We will take that 3 bucks in and invest it in getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board, and exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. So if that's something that is valuable to you, please uh, go to amp.freetalklive.com. And you'll get perks as well, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the AMP-only podcast, forum, and more. All the details are there, amp.freetalklive.com. So there's uh, news here, an update on the Mike Bloomberg story we brought to you last night about soda. Uh, And for those of you that aren't aware, the proposal is that there will be a far-reaching ban on sugary sodas inside the city limits larger than 16 ounces in most restaurants, theaters, 
uh, delis, as well as vending carts throughout the city. Now, notice they are leaving convenience stores out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, the reason behind this is supposedly to protect people, right? That, uh, you know, this is a scourge. The right. soda is a menace. We want to legislate behavior. Right. But for whatever reason, they leave out the convenience stores. It sounds to me like the convenience store lobby's got some, some real pull. Because how could they forget that, you know, the big gulp originated in a convenience store? These humongous, humongo-sized uh, soda containers are really, I mean, they're convenience store innovations, aren't they? Yes, I, I believe so. I mean, it, between that and uh, McDonald's supersize sort of thing, I think that's... But I, I think I recall, honestly, seeing the biggest cups at various convenience stores first. Absolutely. New York City Mayor, this is according to Reuters, Michael Bloomberg has offered a full-throated defense of his proposed ban on large-sized sugary sodas on Friday, calling criticism of the proposal ridiculous and saying that his city is again leading the way in taking on critical health issues. He says, I look across this country and people are obese and everybody wrings their hands and nobody's willing to do something about it, he said on his weekly radio show. The health-conscious Bloomberg added on the program that I would criticize the federal government for not doing anything. I would criticize the state governments for not doing anything. But in the end, it's the cities that do things. He is going to show you how it's done. He knows what's best for you and he's going to force it down your throat. On Wednesday, uh, tells you more about his uh, sugary soda ban. Could take effect as early as next March, according to city officials. The move against soft drinks is the latest in a string of public health initiatives promoted by Bloomberg. During his three terms in office, the city has banned smoking in bars, restaurants, and public places, has banned artificial trans fats in restaurant food, and required calorie counts to be posted at fast food outlets. Bloomberg also leads a campaign to cut salt in restaurant meals and packaged foods. Soda measure will be introduced on June 12th at the New York City Board of Health meeting. The board is expected to pass the mayor's measure following a three-month public comment period. So uh, he's saying here that uh, you know people are obese and that there's a problem, but I guess despite his regulations that he's put in place here, uh, people are still obese. So the trans fat ban hasn't stopped people from being obese. It's and, not working? Right. What? what? Yeah. Wait, wait. Wait, mean, they got rid of the trans fat, so people will stop being fat. Michelle Obama has helped us a lot with her candy bar thing. Yeah, that's helped too. Bloomberg said that the proposal was aimed toward the city's poorer residents who may not have a sophisticated understanding of nutrition. He insisted that the measure is not targeted toward big soda companies like PepsiCo and Coca Cola. And get this quote from him he says, There's nothing wrong with the products from PepsiCo and Coca-Cola. They are responsible companies. They're making stuff that people want to buy. This is not targeted toward those companies. This is targeted toward the consumer. I mean, that just... How how do the people that consider uh, him to be their mayor, how do they take that? Oh, this is not targeted at the companies. This is targeted at you. Right, and he's, he's totally... You know, looking down his nose at people here, I mean, the majority of people in New York City are probably not as well off as Michael Bloomberg. I mean, this guy is like a, you know, a millionaire or billionaire or something like that. He's a fairly successful businessman, apparently, who has now uh, turned his life to the unproductive world of politics. But, uh, you know, he's a pretty well-to-do kind of uh, fellow. But listen to his attitude that uh, that he has. I mean, when he's talking about people, you know, he's saying this is... Uh, 
that it's targeted towards poorer residents who may not have a sophisticated understanding of nutrition. Uh, that, uh, well, huh, you're, you uh, little people out there, you don't know what you're doing when it comes to your lives and your bodies. You, it's not like you have access to the internet and can research these things on your own. No, 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 you're poor, so therefore you need me, Michael Bloomberg, to uh, determine what you can and can't drink. Mm-hmm. That's essentially the the hubris of this man. Not even what you can and can't drink, but the amount you can have That's in right. one container. Well, give them time; they'll probably uh, you know get more restrictive over time with these uh, these ideas. According to uh, the story here, Bloomberg went on to compare controversy over the proposal to his 2002 ban on smoking in bars and restaurants. He says that uh, you think this was bad with the smoking ban; everyone was opposed to it. Today. Virtually every major city in America does it. Whole countries. If people are yelling and screaming, there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, this is ridiculous. Bloomberg here uh, says that it's the first it's the first disease that's gone from being a rich person's disease to a poor person's disease, saying that uh, he's talking about obesity. Look at the pictures of the old robber barons of their big stomachs out in the 20s. They were proud that they were fat. They all died young, but they were proud until that point. Today, it's poor people who are dying much more, and the numbers are just off the charts. Nobody's taking away any of your, uh, of your rights. This way, we're just telling you, that's a lot of soda. Look, I mean, this is what I got to say. If the biggest problem you have is that people are too fat, consider yourself lucky, okay? If people, if, oh, generations ago, only the wealthy could be fat. Now poor people can have enough to eat too. And excess, if they so choose, that is a great problem to have. It's like the pastor saying, oh, we've got a parking problem, but it's a good problem. Yes, having enough food to eat is a good, is a good problem. Yeah, I, I think that uh, it's it's sort of the poor person's, it's sort of class warfare at this point. Like, uh, who's, it's the, the idea that you can tell people that if I cut your drink in half, if I only give you 16 ounces of soda maximum, that you're going to be a healthier person and give them the illusion that all of a sudden, well, now, now I can just have one drink and I, I'm not going to be as fat. And that doesn't solve the problem. I think, I think, honestly, obesity has to do with activity more than food intake. So the, the food thing has absolutely nothing to do with it. As far as I'm concerned, I think it's more based on burning calories and being active and using your body. Well, if you uh, have a drink that's 16 ounces instead of 32 you have half the calories okay but that doesn't mean anything for one person okay person a sits sits in front of a computer all day long and then sits in front of his tv at night person b you know walks around at work they climb stuff they go up ladders or down ladders to fetch mm-hmm. stock items and they're carrying stuff all over and then they go home and play a game of uh, softball with some friends that that soft drink is going to have radically different results for both individuals. Sure. So, and of course, none of this uh, proposal is going to stop them from going to uh, Walmart or Target and getting a flat of cans of soda and then bringing them back to their house well, and drinking one after another. Then going back to the, what we talked about convenience stores, if, if you're really trying to make things healthy and this is how it, it needs to be, why isn't it across the board? If people can't right. get their 32-ounce drink at McDonald's, they're going to go get it at 7-Eleven and then <laughs> buy their McDonald's food separate. That's right. Well, well right. Like, the point is to make it inconvenient to get a big drink but these big drinks are con- are available at all the convenience stores it's Which still convenient are everywhere to get that. in New York City I mean it's not hard to uh, to find a convenience store right and yeah I don't, it's just 
this is more Bloomberg. I think this is distracting from the issues that New York City actually has. Whatever real issues there are. Yes. Yeah. Like uh, the NYPD tapes we've talked about with uh, oh my God, Adrian yeah. Schoolcraft and how they actually do have a quota system and how they just want bodies in cages. But let's let's legislate soda. Soda. Size. We need to talk about soda instead of important. yeah. Instead of how our police are beating people and putting people in cages and frisking people for well, no hard, reason whatsoever. It's hard for the police to lift people if they're too obese. So I mean, it would be good for the police if we could you know cut down all those poor people that they're arresting because it's mostly poor people that they're targeting with their arrests and their harassment. So if you know, you got to save the police uh, officers the work. I mean, it's it's I a lot of effort to to lift up a 500 pound man and uh, put him in the back of the police cruiser. Yeah, I suppose that that is true. I mean, maybe they should have a, a person dolly to just treat people like product. Now we can just treat people like right. stock items. It's disgusting what they're doing to people, and of course, it's just the you know just the beginning. You're going to see more of this. You're going to see more government controls of what you can and can't eat, or how much of it you can have. Just watch. It's all going to come as long as you keep going along to get along and doing what they tell you. As long as you keep letting them get away with it. They'll keep coming up with more. Vinny in here with you tonight. Allie. And JJ. See you online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Don't forget Allie's over at ladiesandkeen.com. That's right. There's a legendary piece of equipment in the radio world. It's the CC Radio 2. It has the best AM reception, bar none, thanks to their twin-coil ferrite AM antenna. It also has stellar FM reception, plus ham and weather. I recently got one. It's the nicest radio I've ever owned. If you're not familiar with the C-Crane Company, their products are lauded for their quality by experts the world over. I highly endorse the C-Crane Company. Get the CC Radio 2 at ccrane.com. C-C-R-A-N-E.com.